0: Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. This is a special episode of the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, Uh, normally a weekly podcast where the sermons preached every Sunday at the three churches I serve are uploaded. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and one thing we have gotten back into the swing of things at Camden Methodist Church is our Wednesday night service. Uh, Every first and third, if there's a fifth Wednesday, we have a worship service around seven o'clock. And so uh, the sermon that I'm uploading today uh, came from the service of this past Wednesday. Uh, The scripture uh, that we read from uh, was Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. So this would be a good place for you to hit pause. Uh, Look up Luke 14, uh, 25 through 27. Hope you enjoy the podcast. God bless. I have to admit, I had a difficult time honing in on the message for tonight. I usually like to send a text to our music leader uh, on Monday or so that kind of gives him the direction I think I'm being led so that our music that we sing and the message can match up and we can have a flow to the service. I was getting ready to text him yesterday and maybe sensing that, he actually called me. And I had to tell him, look man, I got no clue about the message. And we talked about using the storm, the hurricane, and the many directions you can take from that as part of the message. He sent me a text of a saying to help me get going, and maybe you've seen it these last few days. It reads The weatherman says a storm is coming and everyone panics. The preacher says Jesus is coming and no one cares. That certainly does have potential. But still, I couldn't focus. I couldn't find that moment of silence just to listen for God. Part of that, I'm sure, is that, like many of you, I've been a little distracted with the upcoming Hurricane Dorian. I've been tuned into the Weather Channel. I've been checking the Pasco Tank Camden Emergency Services page on Facebook, trying my best to be prepared. went for a run yesterday before lunch and trying to clear my mind, and the whole time I was thinking about what we need to do to be prepared both at home and at church for the storm. Then I took out my Bible and looked through the lectionary texts for this week. The Gospel reading is a Luke passage that we just read, and depending on your translation, there is a heading for this section that reads conditions of discipleship or cost of discipleship or instructions for discipleship, which really aren't they all just the same as talking about preparing for discipleship? And so it is at this intersection, preparing for the hurricane and preparing for discipleship, that this message started to take shape. It's about preparation or should I say, about the first step in preparation. Think about it. When you first started to prepare for the hurricane that is coming later on this week, you did something first, didn't you? Maybe you checked your generator to make sure it had fuel and would crank. Maybe you did a quick status check of the flashlights in your house. Maybe you went to the grocery store to get water and food and snacks, the other things you think you would need. Maybe you actually sat down and made a list of all the things that you needed to do. Whatever it was, there was something you did first to set the stage for all that was to follow. And similarly, in this passage from Luke, Jesus is giving us the first step to become one of his disciples. And it's one that at first reading seems out of place. You ever read something and thought, well, that can't be right. That's not at all what I was expecting, so maybe I read it wrong. That's what I felt when I first read this passage. We read that Jesus has his great crowd around him, and we're used to that. And then the Lord stops and turns to speak. We're used to that. And he's going to give words for us to live our lives by. We're used to that. And then Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Say again, Jesus. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. That's the starting point, Jesus? That i got to hate my mama? Surely Jesus doesn't mean this, does he? Well, yes and no. One thing we have to keep in mind is that Jesus didn't speak English. We read this word hate in our Bibles and it repels us. It's a staggering word. And yes, when Jesus was speaking, he meant to stagger those who were listening. But in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke in, this word that we translate in English as hate goes back to an Aramaic word meaning to love less. So really what Jesus says here is that to be his disciple, we are to love our father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even ourselves less than we love Jesus. Or put another way, We are to love Jesus more than our father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and ourselves. And we may say to ourselves, well, okay, and give some form of assent to it. We get it and we agree with it, but I don't know that we completely understand it. On a pure emotional level, I can't imagine loving someone more than I love my wife or my kids. It's hard for me to comprehend, and maybe I'm not supposed to comprehend it. Or maybe what Jesus speaks of here goes far beyond just emotion. As I reflected on this the past couple of days, I think that Jesus is telling us here that in our first step of preparing to be disciples, we have to give primary and undivided loyalty to our Savior, primary and undivided allegiance to what Jesus teaches us in Scripture as how we are to live our lives. Sure, we can be part of family groups and friend groups and peer groups and love everyone in them, but we cannot allow our loyalties to these groups to take the place of God. Let me give you a few examples and see how you would answer. If a complete stranger were to come up to you and tell you something, and then a co-worker or a former co-worker came up and told you the exact opposite, who are you more likely to believe? The stranger or the coworker? And if that coworker came up to you and told you something, and then a good friend came up to you and told you the exact opposite, who are you more likely to believe? The coworker or the good friend? And if that good friend came up to you and told you something, and then your very best friend, the one that knows you better than almost anyone else in this world, came up to you and told you the exact opposite, who are you more likely to believe? The good friend or your very bestest friend? And if that very bestest friend came up to you and told you something, and then your mom and dad or sister and brother came up and told you the exact opposite, who are you more likely to believe? That best friend or your family? And finally, if someone in your family tells you something, someone who loves you and has been with you since you were born, since the time you took your first breath, and yet is the exact opposite of what Jesus tells us, who are we supposed to believe? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I think the heart of this passage is that, if, that we are to act as if we hate our loved ones whenever the claims of home come into conflict with the claims of Jesus. He's not despising natural ties here. I and mean, this is the one who blessed the little children who taught us to call God by the name of Father and gave his own mother at his death and took care of a beloved disciple. Yet he asks for instant and unqualified loyalty. Why do you think Jesus does this? Why does he ask for loyalty to him and for us to listen to him over and above everyone else, even over and above our own parents and spouses and children and even ourselves? It's because we're imperfect, because we're liable to be wrong. As hard as it is to hear and think about, those that love us sometimes tell us things that aren't true, aren't right, aren't loving, and aren't holy. There's a scene from the TV show All in the Family that comes to mind. You know what I'm talking about here, right? talking about Archie Bunker. Well, in this scene, Archie and his son-in-law have locked themselves in the storeroom of a bar that Archie has bought. Having to wait until the morning to be let out, they come across a bottle of booze, they have a few drinks, and they start an honest conversation. Those that have seen this show or even heard about Archie Bunker know that he was apt to say prejudicial things about minorities, be they people of color or Jewish. He frequently referred to his Polish son-in-law as a Polak. When pressed as to why it was that he believed the stereotypical prejudicial things about others, we learned that Archie's attitudes and beliefs were once passed down to him by his father. His father was the one that told him to think the way he did about minorities. And Mike, his son-in-law, says to him, well, Archie, your father was wrong. And Archie recoils. He becomes angry and he says back to him, my father, wrong? How could someone who loves you so much tell you something that was wrong? As the viewers of that program, we know that, yes, Archie's dad passed along words and beliefs to his son that weren't anywhere close to what Jesus would want us to think about our fellow man. The difficult thing is when we have to turn that television camera around on our own lives. If we have things that we have been told by people who love us that don't match what Jesus says, then we have to hate those words and turn our gaze upon Jesus. This passage, this first step in preparing to enter a life of discipleship requires us to do this. If anyone tells us anything or asks us to act in a way or to believe a certain thing that doesn't line up with Scripture, then we have to turn from it immediately. And it doesn't matter if it is your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or even your preacher. There are an awful lot of preachers these days preaching and teaching and proclaiming things that I don't think match up with Scripture. And I worry that our tendency is just to lay back and say, well, he's the preacher. He must know what he's talking about. No. Your loyalty and allegiance is not to the preacher, your loyalty and allegiance is to Jesus Christ. So, no, Jesus is not saying you have to hate your mother and father and wife and husband to be a disciple. What he is saying is that step one in preparing to be a disciple is is loving Jesus before all else and letting his voice be the voice that guides you all the days of the rest of your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this special episode of the podcast. Until next time, God bless.